Welcome to the July 18th, 2023 podcast of Wisdom Today. Hello, my name is Bill Kelly and I'll be your host today. Today we'll be going over Proverb 18, but before we begin, let's open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for anyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you give everyone ears to hear and a heart to receive everything you have in store for them today. Lord, in addition, I pray that you give everyone listening favor with both God and man. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Proverb 18, beginning in verse 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. When the wicked comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes reproach. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. It is not good to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty and before honor is humility. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. The first one to plead his cause seems right until His neighbor comes and examines him. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, He shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friends, I have a special treat today. I have Andrea Jesselnik with us, and she is a fellow second-year Karis Bible College student. 
And Andrea, welcome. Thank you for coming on. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, Andrea, we just finished Proverb 18, and there are so many good verses that we could talk about. Which one or which ones would you like to share about today? Well, there is a lot, and I had never really studied Proverbs 18, and so I trust the Lord. And when you told uh, uh, told me that we were going to be discussing that, um, I was excited to see what the Lord was going to show me. And so it's interesting... Um, a lot of my testimony could be um, connected to the verses there. And the starting in verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are, and are protected. Um, and I just remember uh, that's where it started with uh, my mom's death and running to the Lord that I knew that my mom had been saved. And after she died, I knew she was with Jesus and I needed to be close to to my mom and uh, thought, well, if I get close to God, I can be closer to my mom. Wow, that's really good. Um, if you would, just share with us, when when was that that you lost your mom? I know that had to be difficult for you. Yeah, that was, um, at the time, it was one of the worst things that I would say had ever happened to me, but who I became in the process was something I would wish for everyone, because that's where... Um, that's where I found Jesus, and um, she passed away in 2010 on Easter, um, and I had no idea the um, results and um, the restoration, the um, redemption of my soul that would take place from her death. Wow, uh, that's thanks for sharing that. I um, like I can imagine just how difficult that is. Andrea, if you would, many of the people listening today do not know who you are. If you would, share with us what you would like to about your childhood and upbringing. Well, so I was raised in Belton, Missouri um, with my mom and my stepfather and my stepbrother. And uh, my stepbrother was older. My sister was a year older than me and a year and a half. And... um, from the outside looking in, we had a nice life. We had nice things. Um, I always had a brand new outfit to wear every single day to school. That was the big joke. <laughs> but um, And from the outside, people would uh, have said that I was this happy-go-lucky girl, and um, I always had a smile on my face. And uh, my nickname, actually, from my, my dad was Bubbles because I was so bubbly. Uh, but um, I also... Uh, had been sexually abused along with my sister starting at the age of three from my stepbrother. And um, so that taints a lot of the good memories um, because of m- probably most of you know that the bad memories seem to kind of sear into the brain. Um, and so when I think of my childhood, I think of um, the way I would describe it today at almost 47 years old is a lot different than um, how I would have described it back then. Well, um, how, I mean, how long did this go on? And, you know, how, how did this really affect your life? And when did, when did it start to not affect your life so much that you become the person who you are today? 
Yeah, thank you. Um, so um, for anyone that um, has gone through any kind of sexual abuse as a child, um, I f the statistics show that it's very uh, common for the parents not to believe. I don't know if this is scientific or not, but it's what, I, what I've come to believe. I'm a, I'm a mother of three, that denial is a real thing. And when I was three years old, apparently I told what had happened and um, was told that I was imagining it and making it up. So basically I was told I was a liar. And at seven, um, I decided my sister and I were um, coming together to tell our parents for the first time. And so um, I don't know if any of you know that with trauma, a lot of times we can block things out and it's a protective um a protective mechanism so we can actually survive. And so I'm thankful for that, but um, it's also hard to heal from things that have been hidden and, um, and that you don't know about. So it, what would be the actual second time I told was what I thought was the first time. And my sister and I shared with my mom what had happened. And my mom proceeded to say, I knew about you, Andrea, but Julie, like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to kill him. And at seven years old, I was dismissed again, and um, and so nothing actually really ever happened. Um, I don't even remember a conversation after that um, that moment in the car about it, and nothing changed until my stepbrother grew up and moved out of the house, um, and it affected me in a lot of different ways. At the time, I didn't know that it was affecting me, but I made a lot of really poor choices. I went from loving school and being a straight-A student to... Um, just, you know, looking to get my attention from boys and um, having just, promiscu just promiscuous um, behavior and um, not knowing, like, yeah, sex is bad, don't do it before marriage, but I didn't ever know that I was a treasure or anything that God says, uh, that God had said about me. And so um, I started numbing out in different ways and um, doing... Uh, drugs and partying and alcohol and all of that. Um, and I, I knew that I was broken. And I also, at the same time, I knew that there was so much more, um, so much more inside of me. I just didn't know how to access that. And I did not have a relationship with God. And I did not know Jesus. I grew up in the Catholic church and I actually felt sorry for Jesus. I remember seeing him nailed to the cross all bloody. And I just remember thinking that poor man, I just want to help him. And my heart is, I do believe I have the gift of mercy. So I do love to help, but, um, I, I, did not know Jesus the way I did not know him as my Lord and Savior. I did not know that I could go to him. Um, however, in the darkest times, I would say to myself, like, what would Jesus do? And I don't know where that came from. But um, fast forward to like in my 20s, I was going through a, uh, a separation. I had been engaged. We were planning the wedding and um, he cheated on me. And I ended up going to church. It seemed like that 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 the theme of my life then was when things got really bad. That's when I would go to God and talk to God. It wasn't like an everyday thing like now, where we just have conversations all the time. And I blame him for giving me the gift of gab because he gets to hear from me all day long. <laughs> but um, so when I when I went to this church, it was a spirit filled church that I did not know about, and someone had come up to me after service and asked if I had ever accepted to Jesus, and I told them I had been baptized, but I didn't really know what 
she was talking about. So I um, accepted Jesus that day. And looking back, it wasn't like all of a sudden this radical transformation, but he did not stop pursuing me. Um, and I'm so thankful for that, that he doesn't ever get up, give up on us. And, um, and so, um, after that day, I just start, slowly started picking the pieces back together, picking them back up. And, um, I noticed that I, I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of, um, depression and just, um, issues in my romantic relationships. And, um, I feel like when your parents do not protect you, um, like they should, that oftentimes that is the view that we have of our heavenly father. And so, um, my dad and stepmom didn't know that this was going on. Only my stepdad and my mother knew, but like I said before, denial, I used to think denial was that person was just lying to me, but the truth is they really believe the lie. And so they believe that it's true. And, um, and so I'm not really sure why, um, parents so often tend to not believe their child. Um, but that, um, it just does a lot of damage to the soul. Um, I know that, uh, as I continue to, to seek God and, um, and get to know him, I would, you know, start to open my Bible and my mind would go blank and I would get so frustrated with that. Um, I, I'm trying to remember, I think that was around the year 2000 that I accepted Jesus. And then when my mom passed away, um, in 2010, I was actually attending the unity church because like I said before, I felt sorry for Jesus and I just wanted a better life and wanted to be happy. And, um, I, I also had this weird sense of if I could be better, my mom would be better because my mom had addictions. Um, and I do believe that my mom had abuse, um, that was never addressed as well. Um, but like, since she's not here, I won't, you know, I can't talk to her about that. And so at her funeral, um, I spoke at her funeral and I, that was the very first time I ever felt the, the power and presence of God. Like, I was so broken and um, I had committed to him two months ago, just a silent prayer that my grandmother had died just a couple months before my mother. And I was so mad at myself that I was just worried about what I was going to, how I was going to look or what if I said something wrong that I didn't even honor my grandmother. So I told God that if he, um, the next time that someone close to me passed, please like between you and I just help me do it. And so fast forward two months and my, I'm sitting at my mom's funeral at the unity church and I literally could not move. And, um, I asked for help and I cried out for help. And it was like, angels like picked me up and carried me up. And I had been led to write about forgiveness, not even connecting my, at this time that my mom died on Easter and Jesus is like, hello, the master of forgiveness and um, all of that. But I spoke and through the tears and through all that, I had this another supernatural experience where as I was sharing what I wrote and um, I had this this encounter with the Holy Spirit where I I just said I, I commit for the rest of my life to heal from um, 
the trauma, the addictions, the abuse, and break that generational um, curse, and to then therefore go and share my gifts that you put inside me to your till the fullest capacity. And it's I had no idea that day when that happened that there's nothing I can do to stop that. <laughs> wow, you know. You have such a testimony, you know, for those of you out there that um, that have what Andrea had, I'm just, you know, what I want to get across to you is if you are still having that feeling of being broken, know that you can overcome that. And Andrea, you know, I feel kind of compelled to ask this. I think you've kind of made reference to it. But what do you feel is the most important decision you've ever made? And please tell the audience why. Yeah, I definitely didn't know it at the time, but accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior was uh, supernaturally um so amazing. In the moment, nothing really happened. It, like I said, it wasn't a radical transformation, but it was, um, it was just, it was incredible. Um, from that moment on my life, I can look back and it totally changed the trajectory of my life. And, um, I had, I had had a gift of hearing God, but the trauma that I had, um, endured, there was a, there was a, uh, I guess I should go back there because I feel like those, um, for those of you who have experienced trauma, those neuropathways, um, get formed at such an early age. And I had to go to the bathroom. We had one bathroom in the house and I ran upstairs to go to the bathroom and, uh, my stepbrother was in there taking a shower. And when I knocked on the door, I instantly felt, um, I just felt like, don't do it. But at three years old, I'm sure I was concerned about, you know, wetting my pants. I was probably being potty trained or whatever. And I yielded to the flesh, which makes sense. I'm three. I have to go to the bathroom over the spirit. And I didn't know what that was inside of me telling me not to go in. And, um, and so that was the first time that that had happened, but it literally produced a, not a lifelong because it's, I've been healed and, um, totally, um, restored from all of that now. Um, my life does not reflect trauma-informed decisions. My life reflects Jesus-informed decisions. Um, but from that moment, from three years old, I would continue to hear the voice of God and yield to the flesh over and over and over again. And, um, and I just am um, so... Um, I'm just so sad that, um, and I am sorry and, um, that for anybody listening, that if that has happened to you, and I just pray in the name of Jesus, that if you don't know Jesus, that you accept Jesus into your heart and that you just ask him to come inside and to heal those wounds and those parts of you. And for him to be your friend and your lover and your guide and your, um, your father, your father, and to just allow his spirit to work inside of you and allow everything from your child to just be healed because he will do that. And, um, he's not going to force himself on you. Um, and, uh, he's a gentleman. And so I just pray that, um, any man or woman or even teenager, anyone that's ever had that happen, that you just cry out to God and he, he is there. He's waiting for you. Wow. Andrea, you know, what you have to say is so powerful and I'm, I'm really hoping for healing 
like you said, for anyone that may be listening to this, and you've had this happen to you, I'm going to go to the book of Romans, and this is the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In chapter 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Andrea, I'm trying to make the transition from brokenness and having your grandmother die and having your mother die over a brief period of time. It sounds like you are just going through so much at that time. Thank goodness that you met Jesus at that point. But if you would kind of tell us how your life transitioned from there moving forward. Yeah, thank you. Um, And so uh, my mom passed away. And like I said, um, I started talking to... um, to God every day. Um, and I started waking up at four o'clock in the morning, which um, ended up being my two hour date with God is what I called it. And I was serious about getting to know him. And like I, it, like I said before, it started out by being closer to my mom because I knew she was with him. I had no idea that um, the, this, the, the intimacy and relationship that was going to develop. Um, I loved pressing snooze. I love sleeping in, but that, the, that time with him um, has just literally revolutionized my my thinking, my soul, and um, and I just allowed him to minister to him to my to me. I, I brought a journal with me. At that particular time, I did not have a Bible. But I would be praying, and I would hear certain things, or I'd have dreams, and I would call my Christian friends, and I realized that God had been speaking to me through dreams and through visions, and um, and I had one friend say, oh my gosh, that's what Jesus says. Do, do you even own a Bible? And I was like, yeah, like from childhood, and I just was so just shocked, really, that he was just pursuing me as I was pursuing him. It was like the more I desired to know him, the more I heard from him. And then that's like with any relationship, um, a healthy relationship, that... um, how that goes. And so that those dates with God, those two hours every morning, it just... I continued to... um, just here, uh, ways to live my life, things to, to do differently, um, things to think differently, different relationships. And I remember it was probably um, in 2019, I was journaling and I saw at the top of my journal, I had, writ- I had wrote down um, the year of obedience. And I was like, what the heck? I don't even like that word. <laughs> um, and and yet it was the best year of my life. And then each year since, I've just continued to renew that um, goal of my year of obedience because His will, will for our lives sometimes can challenge us or oftentimes challenges us um, because there are things inside of each of us that He put in there and um, it causes us to get out of our comfort zone. And um I was very uncomfortable as a child living in that lifestyle and so um, and not being protected that I just put these walls around to be comfortable at all times um, because being uncomfortable to me resembled trauma. But when God calls you out 
and to walk on the water, so to speak, and to, to get uncomfortable. As long as your eyes are focused on him, he is guiding you and leading you every step of the way. And I just think it was it was so awesome because when I finally did get a Bible and um, I, I had a moment where I really, I just cried out. I was kind of being a brat, honestly. I was like, God, if you want me to know you, like you know me, you created me. I need to feel you. I don't feel you like I do my friends or my kids. Like I need to feel you. And I just, I just was just blunt with him. And, and I want to know your word, but my mind goes blank every time I open the Bible. Like I want to know what your word says. And, um, and it's just amazing. Like when you just get real with God, that's what a relationship is. It means you're being real with him. He wants to know you. I always joke, well, you already know me. So why am I sharing all this with you? <laughs> but it's just the way it works. And um, I remember when I finally started opening the Bible and it, my mind didn't go blank, I could not believe like my Christian friends would be like, oh my gosh, you're so ridiculous, Andrea. I'm like, no, like my life is better than I could have ever imagined. I love my life. Like I want to pinch myself sometimes. And it literally reflects biblical living. I had no idea because the Holy Spirit guided me this whole time. And so that was the thing, like back in 2000, when I accepted um, the Jesus as my Lord and Savior, His Spirit came... Um, alive in me and was guiding me throughout that that 10, 15 years. And now it's been 22 years and it just keeps getting better and better and better. But that was the one thing I will say is I've never given up my date with God. And no matter what, no matter how challenging, how busy life gets, I know that maybe once or every once in a while life happens and I realize, wait a minute, this is not feeling so amazing. And I realize I I haven't had time with the Lord. And that has just been this the the safest place and the most um place where my soul has been renewed and restored. And um it's just been an amazing time. Well, Andrea, you know, I'm going to go to Scripture again, and and John is so clear. Mm. John's gospel is by far, I believe, the best gospel, because in the book of John, John reveals that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, and he just brings it out so well. But in the 15th chapter in verse 5, It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Andrea, you have just personified that by what you've shared the last few minutes. And for those of you who have never made that decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or some of you believe that you have done that and you have said that sinner's prayer and yet you have not totally surrendered your life to him. You're still holding on to a couple areas of your life and you need to let go. You need to let go of it and totally surrender. Andrea, your thoughts on that and how has that propelled you to where you are today? Yeah, that is so that is so good when you were um when you were sharing that I just thought of um I didn't grow up with religion but uh what I've learned recently is that perfectionism is very similar to um legalism and religion and so um I thought 
for years and years and years that in order to have a relationship with Jesus, um, I had to be perfect. And that is the complete opposite, um, that he perfects you. And we're never going to be perfect in this in this world. We're, we're human and we're going to make mistakes. But the, the, the longer that I yield to his spirit and yield to the things that he's asking me to do, the the better my life gets and and even when i do mess up i'm not beating myself up i think that a lot of times with abuse especially sexual abuse that you blame yourself um i I think that most of the people that I, I've been doing hair for 22 years and most of the, the people that I've talked to that have gone through that abuse, that is one thing that you blame yourself. And it is it, it was not your fault. There was nothing that you did. And, um, and that if you are feeling like you're scared because you have to be perfect to accept Jesus, that's, he comes for the broken. Like that, if, if we weren't broken, we wouldn't need a savior. And so, um, I just would encourage you to, um, just to ask and to just trust that the, the life that he's, uh, that's awaiting you. And even if you have accepted him as Lord and savior. And so I, I heard this term in the last few years, backsliding. I didn't even know what that meant growing up, but that you've never gone too far away from God for him. He's always there. He's always there. And it's in our minds and our thoughts, that condemnation and the shame. And that is one thing that renewing your mind that you shared in Romans 12, 12 two, right? Um, about renewing our minds that um, we're not puppets on a string either. So when we accept Jesus, it's not like all of a sudden he's just going to tell us everything to do. And we're not robots. He didn't create us. He created us for relationship. That means, and also free will. So you, we have free will to do the life that God has called us to do and to live or to choose the life of the, um, the flesh and the world. And, um, sometimes the world can, um, offer instant gratification and instant, but it's, it's gone in an instant too. You might be, uh, have this whatever in a moment, but it's going to be fleeting. And when you build that relationship, um, with Jesus, that's the, that's one of the coolest things about attending care. Well, all the things we're learning, but just seeing that there's been people that have been following Jesus that 40, 50 years, and they still are growing in their relationship. Like it never gets dull. If you continue to pursue your relationship and make that a priority with Jesus, your life just continues to get better. Well, Andrea, you know the, what you're what you're sharing. It's all so powerful. But but I'm going to go back to Paul's letter and Pauline. You know the Pauline letters. There's 13 of them, and Paul just got it. Mm-hmm. He just understood how important the the relationship with Jesus truly can be. And in this this past January is when I changed my favorite verse to Romans eight six. And you mentioned this, but it says to be carnally minded is death, Mm. but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Andrea, so many people live their entire lives without God. It's like God doesn't even exist. And all they see is what they can personally see with their five senses, what they can see and feel and touch. But the spiritual realm that is where the action really is. That is where you can truly come to know Jesus. And that thing says, but, but, to, be, but to be spiritually minded is life 
and peace. And Andrea, what you have exemplified today is that you have found that peace that only God can give you. And Paul talks in another letter and it says that peace that surpasses all understanding. If you truly come to know who Jesus is and the love He has for you, there is going to be a peace that just inflows you and nothing in life compares to that peace. Your thoughts on that, Andrea? So that peace that surpasses all understanding, I'll never forget um, that moment I was contemplating that verse. I was like, what does that even mean? And I had even had an experience that I had lived it out, but I didn't connect it to the verse because I was still really new um, in scripture and the Bible. But um, he had reminded me of, it was probably two years ago, um, right after the fire that I had actually lived the peace that surpasses all understanding. We, when our house burned, um, burned up, it was condemned. We were home when it happened, but we got out, um, and everybody was safe, but we lost all of our things. And, um, my Bible made it out of course. So that's super awesome. And I remember getting so not about my clothes, not about furniture, not about stuff, but I was like, what about like my time with you, God? Like I have this special spot and that's you and me time. And he said, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. He just kept saying, I'm with you always. And I still hadn't had a complete revelation of his spirit was in me. Like he is alive in me. Like I hadn't gotten that in 2020, but I remember being in the hotel and, um, at this particular time in my life, I had been worshiping a lot, and um, I had never been to a, a spirit-filled church where people worshipped and was amazing. So all of that came out of my alone time with him, and I'd be getting ready, and I um, I was just so full. Uh, and <clears throat> and I remember the song was "I See a Victory," and uh, I remember just sitting in the hotel, and I'm like worshiping and like super excited, like probably a little too loud. My daughter, who was seven, I think at the time, she's like, oh my gosh, mom, you're going to wake people up in the hotel. And I was like, Jesus just saved us from the fire. And like, I had this joy and this peace. And it was, it was so crazy to think that I just went through one of the most traumatic experiences of my, of my adult life. And in the midst of it, like it was a few days after the fire that I had peace and joy. And so it, and and so I'd experienced it, but then I had heard the verse and I wasn't connecting it to the experience. And I was driving down the road and I remember like peace that surpasses all understanding. Like that means you won't understand <laughs> how you have it, but you do in those moments. And um, the peace that's just a daily kind of peace that I have. And like I said before, I, I had anxiety and depression and all of those things and took medication for years. And, um, and I don't take anything like that anymore. I just take Jesus <laughs> so that I just think that, um, the peace that he provides, um, is something that my daughter and I had a conversation this morning about, um, about healing and she doesn't think God listens to her prayers. And I asked her, I was she's like he listens to your prayers all the time all these things are always happening for you but not for me and I said oh okay well that's interesting so um how much time do you spend talking to Jesus and she's like uh not much and I said okay well how much time do I spend she goes oh my gosh like all the time <laughs> and I said that's the difference I said if you want 
Um, if you want the life that you hear other people talking about that are Christians and that have Jesus in their life, that they're victorious and not through it, not meaning that there's no trials or tribulations or challenges or problems, but through all of that, they still are victorious. Then I can guarantee every single one of those Christians have a deep relationship with, with our Lord. Like it's just, it's part of the equation. And we're going to be talking and thinking all day long anyway. My thing is, like, why not just be talking to him all day? <laughs> well, Andrea, you know, I am just want to bless you for, for, you know, everything you've shared today. It's just been awesome. But once again, I'm going to go to one of Paul's letters. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul set the example of how we're supposed to live our lives. Friends, Jesus should be your best friend. He should be more important than your spouse. We need to put God number one in our lives. If you truly want to have a blessed life and truly live to the potential God has put in each one of you, you have to put God first place in your life. And he wants you to talk to him basically on a consistent basis. And a lot of people says, how can I do that? Well, let me, let me offer this advice to you. There's a lot of you that worry all the time. And you have a choice. Which one do you want to do? Do you want to worry? Or would you rather talk to God and say, Father, I've got this problem right now. I need your help. Which one would make you happier? And which one would be more beneficial in your life? Very simple question. Andrea, your thoughts on that? That's so fun that you brought that up because I did an experiment with anxiety um, I was a worrier, and um, I was always worrying about something. And what I realized was most of the things I worried about never even happened. And so that was also frustrating. It was like all that time and energy spent worrying about it, and it never even happened. Like, oh, my gosh. So I did an experiment. I love experiments because they um, they sound fun to me. <laughs> but my experiment was every time I caught myself speaking out something that was of worry or thinking something worry, I would just interrupt it and I would either say something completely opposite or pray for someone. And sometimes it's so strong and heavy that um, it's hard to think of something opposite if you're going through something really tough and, um, you know, someone in your life is dealing with a, a health challenge or um, just different things that can really, um, the enemy can really creep in and tell you that you need to worry about it. But you don't need to worry about it. And God has got everything. Like he has got it. If we cast our cares on him, he will, he will do. It's, it's like so often that worry is like the kink in the hose. Like you're going out trying to water the flowers and you know, you turn the water on, but you're just getting a trickle of water coming out. And you're like, wait a second. And you go check it on. Yep. The water's on. You finally see that there's a kink in the hose. So that full force, that water that needs to nourish the plants and nourish the flowers to help them grow and evolve, it was a kink in the hose. Well, all, our worry puts a kink in what God can do for our lives. Like it literally interferes with the the presence and the power of what he can do. And there's, there's just been so many. Recently, I went through some challenges financially and 
Um, it, obviously, it says in the Bible to ask for prayer, to pray for others. And I heard God specifically say, don't tell people about this problem. You come to me, I'm God, and I'm going to take care of you. And it was so hard to do this, but it was just about two and a half weeks ago. And last night at church, I wasn't sitting there every day thinking, oh my gosh, when I walk out of the house, is someone going to bless me financially? Where's that person? Where's that person? Because that would be worry. Trusting and casting my cares on him means I literally go live my life and know he's taking care of me like the electricity. You don't go walking to the light switch, praying that and hoping and wondering if it's going to turn on. You just know you're going to get light. And so I was at church last night and this man blessed me with $300 and he said, God told him to bless me. And I had tears of joy because I was like, oh my gosh, that was really you. You did tell me to, because it seemed strange that God would ask me not to ask for prayer when it does say that, but that's what building a relationship with him will provide. He speaks to all of us in unique ways. And, um, and as we, as we get to know him, we understand him in such a deeper, profound way. And that's where that peace and yeah cast those cares on him. <laughs> wow, Andrea, I'm going to go to uh, scripture again, and this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and for those of you not all that familiar with it, the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, but in Matthew's Gospel, it's chapters 5 through 7, so we have three chapters, basically, of wisdom that Jesus is giving to us, but in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And he goes on in verse 33. Many of you know this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Andrea, God knows what you have need of. It says in James chapter 4, it says you have not... Because you ask not, or you ask amiss. Andrea, if you're following God, if you are truly in tune with him, he knows exactly what you have need of, and he will meet your needs. Let's go to Psalm 23, verse, very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will meet you at your point of need, and he will take care and provide you. Andrea, we are coming to a close. If you would, go ahead and share what's on your heart, anything you'd like to address to the audience, and lead anyone who may not know Jesus in a sinner's prayer. Take your time. Okay, thank you, Bill. Um, yeah, so... Uh, as I've continued to ask God His will for my life, He's been challenging me to step out of my comfort zone. And this summer, um, I was praying about God's will for second year, knowing that He wanted me out here in Woodland Park, Colorado. I had uh, born and raised in Kansas City area, uh, basically for 46 years of my life. I've never moved out of state, and I've been doing hair for 22 years, which obviously you can do that anywhere, but um, you rebuild your clientele. 
And I've been, I had just been adding up how um, grateful I was for how much um, God's been blessing me financially um, through my business. And, um, and that Saturday we leave for Colorado and then um, praying for his will for my life. And some amazing uh, angels, um, heavenly, earthly angels paid for my entire second year. And so that was like, whoa, God, okay. That means then my whole life changes. So um, I just think that the God, we were talking earlier about God providing. And so God provided my tuition. Um, my daughter's tuition was almost basically taken care of for a Christian school out here in Woodland Park. We found housing in 20, now 48 hours. And, um, and then were a couple of loose ends, um, that, that, needed to be, um, tied up, but I knew that I had to, I had to take that step first. So I would just encourage, um, encourage everyone to know that like he was reading, um, that, that God takes care of us and, um, he will call you to step out in faith and faith is, you know, you don't see it all. That's, that's faith that you take a step and you're trusting the, trusting the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not on your own understanding and in all your ways, submit to him and he will direct your path straight. That's Proverbs three, five through six. And, um, and so I had to really practice that and stepping out. And so, um, he has totally provided, he, um, (laughs) he, he was showing me that, it, it, it may be not in my timing, but all of our needs have been taken care of. And just to rest in him and continue to know that he's going to provide. And, um, and in the meantime, um, one of the ways that I've done that is just to really just continue to live my life and to just show up. Um, things have changed financially, but we have all of our needs have been met. And so, um, that is the one thing that as he calls you out, there changes and being uncomfortable for where he's calling you, but just trusting that he will provide and to stay close to him that Matthew 6, 3, 3 said that, um, Bill had said, seek first the kingdom of God. There are so many, t- when I first came out here, I was sitting on the a beautiful deck overlooking Pike's peak. And I was just like sitting there questioning, okay, all these, these, are f- these loose ends have not been been tied up. I have two leases back in Kansas that still are not resolved. God, like, hello, what's going on? Just checking in. And all of a sudden I hear this buzzing and, um, and I look up and there's a hummingbird, like two inches from my face. And I was like, what the heck? And it reminded me of that scripture that you just read because I was like, Oh, my questioning was kind of like questioning, questioning, like, are you really going to do it? (laughs) And so it was just so sweet that he sends those little messages to, um, to all of us in just unique ways. And birds are something that, so now when I see a bird and it's, uh, I always have had a thing for birds, but I feel like this entire time, the last decade, he's been trying to say, trust me, I, they don't worry. They are taken care of. And so just like the birds, um, that's in Matthew, right? This, yeah. Um, just, just trust me that I will take care of you. And, um, we always have a thousand different excuses and reasons why we can't trust, but we just have to lean into him and trust him. And so, um, yeah, honestly, this will be the first time I ever let anybody, um, into accepting Jesus. So I'm just going to trust the Holy spirit. And, um, I just want to, um, so right now, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and savior, um, that you just, uh, say Jesus, um, I recognize that I am a sinner and that I need, I'm in need of you. Please come into my heart. 
and save me. I recognize that you died on the cross, that you, you bore all sickness, all disease. You, you took it all. You took all the, um, the pain of the world, all of my mistakes, all of the, all of the things I've done that I, I believe, Jesus, that you, you died on the cross for my sins. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and that I, that I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to give my heart to you as you've given your spirit to me. And thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for never giving up on me. And thank you for loving me when I didn't feel like I deserved to be loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And and for anyone who repeated that prayer, please reach out to me at Bill Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, on my Facebook page. If you have any questions, you can ask on Messenger. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.